0: Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Set Phases, a highly illogical Star Trek pal... Mm. Pal Palcast. That's what it is. We're pals. It is a palcast. Yeah, I like that. Mm, With we, your hosts. Now I'm going to say that forevermore. Palcast? No, we. With we, your hosts.
1: Oh, that's way better than what we normally do. Just call us we, your hosts. And if they don't know who we are, they can Google it. it.
0: (laughs) With we, your Um... hosts. Stevie Man's (laughs) Naki miss.
1: Yes, we your hosts. That sounds like we're hosting like a pretty nice, high-end sort of British masterpiece theater thing. It does
0: something. we should probably say, and we are your hosts. That's probably what we should say, and not. And no, we are your I, I like hosts. you
1: say with we your hosts. With I we. think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. With we your hosts as ever. <laughs> My English teacher would.
0: I was going to say rollover in her grave, but she's not dead. She would smack me about the ear are using such terrible food, yeah, grammar.
1: Box you about the head. Yes. We are your hosts. How dare you? Yes, we are your hosts. Hello, how you? I am one of said we, and today is Start Stardate 4, port forward we are discussing episode 8 of season 2 of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Let's start the freaking show already, dude. Set Phasers a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. See, how I move flawlessly between accents. It's like how I'm an actor. You, you are.
0: You, yeah, are. you could you. be.
1: Thank you. Oh, This is my neutral actor voice that <laughs> I never get to use. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, when I was playing the part of the weird British accent that's inconsistent, I was coming from a totally different place.
0: i Than mm-hmm. right
1: now. My aggressive bro voice. And this is my norm. This is how I talk around the house. Of yeah. course.
0: This is the, <sighs> the voice in the person your cat gets.
1: Yes, me and the. <laughs>
0: Sorry, <laughs> talking like that.
1: Hey there, cat. How's it going, Dana? Oh yeah, just take it easy. All right. Well, today, wow, this is getting really Bob Rossi. Today, <laughs> we're going to talk about season eight of episode. Of season eight of episode. Season help me, cat. Episode. Hold. Oh, I am not flustered. I am at peace. Season two, episode eight, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, Under the Cloak of War, and this one's pretty intense. Should we run it down? It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? What just happened? Can you run it down for me? (sighs) That's just me. I need to get into the Aki character. And we go. There he is. All right. So the setup. The Enterprise is in the Prospero system under Federation jurisdiction since the war with the Klingons ended. They are there to rendezvous with the USS Kelsey May for they will have a special visitor on board. Ambassador D'Akra, a defected Klingon general and ambassador for the Federation. Autocorrect does this every time and it just makes me angry and I want to share this with everyone. I write fed when I don't want to write all of Federation, and Autocorrect changes it to deaf. Like, I'm like, hey, yeah, deaf, let's hang. Anyway, he prefers now to be called simply Ra, as he says uh, self-deprecatingly, Klingon names gonna be a mouthful. This is how I will talk as D'Akra, because he is full of shit. He is greeted in the transporter room by Pike, La'an, and Una, and other people, but those are the higher, the command staff he meets. And instead of going straight to his quarters to rest and relax, he'd like a tour of the ship. And you're going to get a sense that this guy like is really playing up his ambassador. So meanwhile, he's starting that tour. And on the bridge, Ortegas and Ahura are arguing. Because as we know from the last episode, Ortegas was in the Klingon Federation War as a pilot. And harbor's ill will towards this Dakra, this general Dakra, but uhura thinks of him as a diplomat a very successful diplomat who helped end the war and solve a lot of conflicts and so there is all this back and forth Otega is dubious that he truly has changed his ways and wishes to make up for his past and thinks that perhaps it's a long con to get the secrets of the federation and she mentions that he killed his own men to cover his own retreat after committing war atrocities on the moon of Jagal. And that's why he has the name, the Butcher of Jagal. But Klingons call him that. She says that as the Turbolift doors open and Pike, et al, including Ambassador Dekra, enter the bridge. And it's a bit awkward, but Ra takes it well. He compliments the Enterprise for their beautiful bridge view. Once again, deprecatingly says Klingon ships don't take in the view of space. He mentions that the ship looks beautiful and must be fun to fly. Ortegas is pointed out as the person who flies said ship. There's a bit of an awkward moment where, but then Ross says, well, the ship's in good hands. And Ortega says, I do my best. And they continue their tour. Meanwhile, in the lounge, Spock and Mitchell, they're trying to reproduce racto the Klingon coffee. That Spock got a recipe for in episode see, see episode one of season two when they do a whole shenanigans thing on this, the border, a planet that the Enterprise uh, that the Federation and the Klingons trade uh, custodi, cust, custodial duties over. Anyway, it's coming out cold, and they think they have plenty of time to fix it, but just as they say that, Ra arrives because he's having this surprise tour. And so Spock tells, has to step. Oh, hey, yes. Oh, yeah. I got this on this mission and blah, blah, blah. And I'm interested in your culture. And Ra, once again, is overly self-deprecatingly anti-Klingon. And Spock apologizes if he misstepped. And Ra's like, fine. And they say, let's try this Racking and Gino, And they make it. And it's super duper hot. And so it burns the hands of Ra. But he says, fortunately, we Klingons are good about enduring pain. And Pike says, we should still get you to sickbay. So they go to sickbay. And that is where Chapel and Mbanga see Ra enter the sickbay. Now we know Ra has been called the Butcher of Jigal. And we know from episode, also episode one, that Mbanga and Chapel served on Jigal and that Mbanga served longer. He was there for a long time on the moon of Jigal. So when they see Dakra come in, Mbanga is stricken paralyzed with sort of anger and fear and regret and sadness. And Chapel also is freaked out, but she says she'll handle it. And he retreats into his office as memories of Jagal resurface. We begin our first, our first flashback sequence. It's Chapel arriving on the moon of Jagal. They really did a great job. We can do this in the chat, but they did a great job of creating this war moon, like the feeling of being in the war hospital. She gets transported down to the medical base. She meets the chief medical officer, Buck Martinez. Everyone just calls me Buck. He's a character actor that we all know. I can't remember his name. He says, hey, if you want anything, we got it, but we can try to get it. And you should ask Joseph. She's like, who's Joseph? And he's like, he does the main thing around here. Chapel finds out that the head nurse is diseased. Not disease, diseased. Uh, diseased. And so she has now become the new head nurse. Field promotion. She's about to get settled into her tent when there's an alert and injuries and casualties start to come in. So she has to run right back to the transporter pad. She meets Joseph and Bangor for the first time. They're getting people, they're like assessing people's injuries and getting them into surgery and treatment. And then there's one person who's basically no other way to describe it, his guts are all hanging out. He, they don't have an organ thingy there anymore because it broke or whatever. So Chapel's like, this guy's going to die if we can't get him fixed. But then Mbenga's like, oh, what you do is you put them into the transporter pattern buffer and you put them in the backup and then we can bring them back out when we have the things that we need. And that is how they save this young officer Alvarado and Chapel and Mbenga meet for the first time. Back on present day, Enterprise Mbenga is repairing Biobed 2, which has been jacked up since the Gorn attack on Minibus 3. Everything is connected. Pike enters asking for some delton parsley, uh, also because he wanted to check up on M'Benga because he knows about the history of M'Benga and Jagal and Decra. He says there have been protests on previous ships that uh, Ambassador Dakra was on. And so Starfleet, the higher ups, way high up, probably Admiral April and his ilk have ordered that Ra be treated comfortably and every diplomatic foray be made for him. And so there's going to be a dinner that night. And Starfleet wants everyone to treat him with honors, especially veterans of the war, to show this new unified unity, if you will. And Pike is like, it would be great if you were there. Chapel shows up, and Chapel, is like, it would be great if you were there, too. And they say they both will do it. And then Pike leaves, and they both admit that they don't want to do it, but they will for the captain. Another flashback of Jigal. An injured patient flatlines as Chapel and Mbanga are working on him, and Mbanga has to ask Chapel to manually stimulate his heart while he continues to fix sutures around the heart, and they're able to bring this guy back by saying that we can do it, we can work together, but it's their team under pressure, and then once they get the guy stabilized, they call on the other team and have to move on to their next patient, so you see the kind of pressure they were under, but this person was Ensign Inman. That may become important when we get to another flashback. It's dinner time. And Banga finds Ortega's pacing outside of the captain's quarters, and she's, like, really on the fence about going in. She almost walks away, and then he says, you know what? We can pretend to be anything for a night. Let's pretend that we are not offended by this guest on our ship, and we do it for the captain and for the Federation. And so he enters with Ortega's. Ra is there just pontificating like the biggest blowhard in the world, truly, uh, and then I solved this problem, and then I solved this problem, and then I solved this problem, and Hora and uh, Una and other people are good cocktail guests in life. Uh-huh, so clever! But mbanga is upset, and also Nurse Chapel is standing over in the corner, fully scowling. And Spock is next to her, and he's trying to find out what's going on, but she can't really explain it. But she does let slip that it would be great if he stopped talking about how great he is. So Spock goes over there and distracts Dekra with mentioning comparisons between a Klingon book of war and Sun Tzu's art of war, for which Chapel is grateful. And Mbanga takes his leave, and then he and Chapel pour two stiff double whiskies before dinner so that they can deal with it. Jagal number three. Ensign Inman is recovering after surgery and Mbenga is talking to him. They develop a bit of a bond when Mbenga finds out that Inman is from the moon. And he says, hey, get some rest and hang in there, kiddo. Then Mbenga leaves and he's approached by an Andorian Black Ops commander by the name of Lieutenant Va'al Trask. Who's like, hey, I need you for one more mission, Mbanka. Come on, man, you're the ghost. We need you to get in there and do ghost stuff, baby. And Mbanka's like, can't do it, baby. Not into it. I like saving people more than I like hurting them. And he's like, what about Protocol 12, man? My team needs an edge. And Mbanka refuses and walks off. And Trask is not happy about it. Anyway, back to dinner. Ra's at dinner and he's back to talking about how great he is and all the negotiations he's done. Making bridges between Klingons and other races. And he says Ja'Gal changed him and changed his priorities. And Mbenga can't help but say it changed a lot of them. And that's when the doctor reveals that he was there Ja'Gal for the final conflict. And that is not something that Decras knew. Chapel brings up the colony of Athos, all those civilians, what happened there. And, Orte- and he says civilians were killed and Ortegas is upset and asks, if the stories of his escape are true, namely that he killed his own men too, in order to facilitate his own escape. And Ra says simply that all there were pushed to their limits. And he tries to raise a glass to the survivors of Jagal, but Ortegas retorts with Klingon, "Mach And hey, Ortegas is Klingon. Mwah. pretty fucking good. I remain Klingon, saying that she heard that, inhales over the comms, and then boom, your friends would be dead. So, obviously, unable to let go of the violent past of the war, not yet more than a couple years old or a year or so. And uh, Ross says, "I'm simply trying to make up for my mistakes," but Ortega is, uh, is not having it, and without asking, excuses herself from the captain's table. Chapel follows ostensibly to see if or- Erica is all right, but also probably just to get away from the blowhard that is DeCra. Uh, there's more chatting, but Mbenga is getting t- is clearly getting tense, and Pike is able to see that. So Pike suggests that he too go check up on Ortega. But as he tries to walk out of the room, his arm is grabbed quite rudely, might I add, by Ambassador Dekra, who says, oh, your chief security officer mentioned to me that you are practicing full contact Makbara here, Klingon judo. And he's like, I wonder if I might have a sparring session with you. And Mbenga says he'll check his schedule. Meanwhile, back in Jagal. Inman is out of bed and he's looking up at the stars on this now quiet battlefield of the moon at Jagal and Mbenga finds him and says he should be in bed. But Inman is upset about the war and he's like, what are we doing here? I joined Starfleet to be like a, to be an explorer, to see strange worlds, to have adventures, not to be a soldier. But Mbenga says they have to fight so that others may have peace. And that too is part of being Starfleet. And Inman return inside later Mbanga runs into Chapel, who's observing Trask assembling a black ops team because they're about to do their big push that he mentioned to Mbanga. They're about to take out the command staff, including General Takra, of the Klingon element here on the moon. And as he's assembling people, we see that Inman is suited for the mission having been ostensibly healed enough. Now, Benga tries to hold him back, says, hey, you, you really should be getting rest. I can say that you need to rest more. You don't need to do this mission. And Inmon says, don't worry, I'm a soldier. What I said before, forget about it, Doc. I'm here to save lives. Something to that effect, I paraphrase. And then Trask begins his battle plans. Back on the Enterprise in present day, Chapel and Spock are having trouble because this is something that Spock is unequipped to emotionally converse with Chapel and something that maybe Chapel has trouble conversing with, even with someone who would have the emotional equipment to do so. And uh, Spock wants to help Chapel, but he can't. And he realizes that Chapel needs time alone. So he leaves her to her memories of the war. And so she's remembering a time towards the end. The primary power is hit. The transporter's not working. Casualties are trying to come in after this Trask mission maybe went as they say, pear-shaped, and the only way to get one transporter working so they can start getting casualties is to use all the, auxiliary power and all the auxiliary power and to override the backlogs, which would ostensibly, no, would literally cause them to lose Alvaro, Alvarado, I don't know why I wanted to be Alvaro, Alvarado, she hesitates, learning this fact, and Embanga comes over and pushes the button, and she says, what have you done, and he says, we've saved lives, and the casualties start coming in, and they get down to business. Meanwhile, Mbanga and Dakra spar their Makba, and they're fighting each other. And Dakra, he's a Klingon, he's super duper strong. So even though he's old and injured, walks with a cane, he is throwing Mbanga around the place. But while they're fighting, they're also talking. And Dakra basically lets slip that he wants Mbanga to join him. As like a symbol for, this uni- for peace and the new unity it would send a strong message, he says. If two former enemies could get together, and Banga's not having it. And he asks if it's true if D- that Dakra was the butcher who killed his own men. And D'Kra says, yes, I did do that, of course. It was a hard choice. Ugh, I regret it every day. And Banga asks, who fought the hardest? And after thinking about it for a long time, lost in the memories of war... Decross says, it was Commander Kiff. He fought so hard. He nearly killed me, but I managed to get through him in order to get away. They grapple again and abruptly, Mbenga cuts off the sparring, saying he'll never join him and to leave him alone. And Decross says, I look forward to our next session. And Mbenga returns to the sonic shower and he weeps to think of the casualties that came in that same memory that Chapel was having. Not only were there soldiers and civilians, there were also children. And also all of Trask's Team, it seems like, including the young Inman. So finally he's pushed past the point of no return. He grabs a Klingon Diktang, Diktang, depending on how British you are, off of Trask's belt, and he marches out of the morgue area. Meanwhile, back on the ship in the present day, Una approaches Pike in the ready room and says, Hey, I've made this shortcut. We go through this nebula and we can get this guy off the ship in a shorter time. We got to get him off the ship. He's killing morale. The veterans don't like him. He's making everyone else uncomfortable. He has to get off sooner than later. And Pike has been reading Mbanga's war file. And so he says, you know what? Okay, let's do the shortcut. Meanwhile, on Jagal, Ambanga is now changed into his... Black Ops fighting clothes with the chest plate. He's looking at his dictang, and he's also looking over his supply of the Protocol 12. That's the weird green juice from Episode 1. Chapel approaches, confused, and then realizes maybe he's going into the field, and he admits that he is going to finish the job that Trask couldn't do. Everyone's pulling out because it's the last push of the war and everything's over and I guess they're giving up Jagal. And he gives her a tracker and says, you can transport me out when you need to, but not a moment before I got to do something. He says he didn't want to be changed by the war, but alas, he must be. As he said earlier, they fight so others can be safe. He gives Chapel some of his protocol 12 juice and says, use this in case the Klingons break through the lines to protect yourself and get out of here. The final frontation, confrontation on the bridge of the Enterprise, present day. Mbang is in sickbay. He's looking in the same box that he's looking at in the in the flashback, which has the dictang in it. Ra enters. My time is going to be shortened on this trip, alas. We will not have as much time together as we thought, my dear friend. We're not so different, you and I, and other villain archetypes, he says. Mbanga is fine with the shortened thing, and he's asked to be left alone. But Ma- Ra mentions Jagal once again, which pushes Mbanga past his boiling point once again, and he shouts for him to stop. And Ra thinks that Mbenga has let hate from the Battle of Jigal cloud his judgment because he doesn't know what Mbenga's really about. But Mbenga corrects Ra about Kif. He says, no, Kif didn't fight the hardest. It was Rulis who fought the hardest. Uh, he was the one who held Mbenga back while Ra made his escape. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's right, baby. Decra didn't kill his own men. He was a coward. He ran, and he left his three men to to hold back the ghost that was stalking them, for it is Mbenga who's the true butcher of Jagal. Even though the Klingons called him that called Decra that, and Mbenga kept it a secret, but he knows that Ra's whole ambassadorship is built on lies. He's not truly reformed, he has nothing truly to reform from, he's just hiding in the Federation. Full lack of respect but Ra says people need saints they need them to help them to peace and he tells uh, but Mbanga's not having he tells Ra to leave but Ra won't leave the case is still open with the diktang in it there is a struggle between Ra and Mbanga which Chapel witnesses behind the privacy glass uh, and by the time she comes around there is Ra dying on the floor stabbed through the heart with the diktang Cut immediately to Chapel, presenting the bloody implement to Laan and Pike, saying she saw the whole thing, which she did not, and uh, that Ra had attacked Mbenga, which he did. And the DNA on the blood shows that it is the blood of the three Klingon officers from Jigal and Ra on the blade. Pike is stunned that Ra would attack Mbenga. Chapel says no one knows what is in someone's heart, truly. Finally, Pike goes to confront Mbenga. He says there'll be an inquiry, but you should be all right. But then he says, "Hey, if there's more to the story, you could tell me, baby." And Mbenga says, "Hey, I'm going to tell you what I told everyone else. I didn't start the fight. I did not shoot the sheriff. You understand know what I'm saying? Oh wait, no, no, I have the sheriff. I didn't shoot the deputy. is what he said. You catch my drift?" Uh, and uh, Mbenga ensures Pike that he didn't start the fight, but he's glad that Ra is dead. Which, Pike is a little hurt by this, and M'banga's like, you have the privilege of seeing the good in people, but I know that there are truly terrible things out there, and uh, sometimes you just have to deal with it. And Pike disagrees, and Mbanga agrees to disagree. Pike excuses himself, Mbanga finishes fixing the bio bed, and he notes in his personal log, hey, I fixed the bio bed, I... To a certain extent, some things are so broken, he says, they can't be fixed, just managed. And then as he walks off, the bio-bed throws up an alert again. And here endeth episode eight of season two of Star Trek, Strange New Worlds. Uh, let's chat about that. I say, darling, let's do a quick chat about that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes, let's, let's do Indubitably. Yeah. It's
0: a dark episode, that was. It was a dark
1: episode. Yeah. But listen, we got to get into the Klingon War, man. We only saw it from the like clean side of like of Federation warships and Klingon warships. And like this is down in the dirt. This is in the shit.
0: Do you want to give us a reminder of how the Klingon War started?
1: Yeah, with a little something called the Vulcan Hello. I can't remember the details because I've written too many details. But essentially, unfortunately, the issue is that I know too many details. Let's just say a young... Michael Burnham, worried about a Klingon contact on the borders of Klingon space, tries to effect a mutiny on her own ship, the Shenzhen, and in so doing attempts to do something she's heard called the Vulcan Hello, which is to like the only way to get Klingons to back down or begin diplomacy with them is to fire on them, which causes a whole thing. And then there's a boarding party and people get killed and the war begins. Yeah. That's a basic outline of That's though. more or less. That's but the th- first two episodes of Star Trek Discovery.
0: I thought they didn't fire on them, and then that's what started the war. But she wanted to fire on them.
1: Yeah, didn't Michael want to fire on them?
0: Yeah, Michael wanted to. fire the them. Oh
1: well, she staged the coup, and then the coup got uncoued. But then some kind of diplomatic thing went wrong because there was the whole fight. That's how the Captain Giorgio gets killed in that fight. Yeah. Right. They they wind up going on to the the Kalesh blade ship and having a fight there with her future lover before he's turned into a human, and the new queen details. Quite,
0: quite, quite, that was me playing
1: with my cord. Uh, Yes, that's how that war started, and that threw Mbanga and Chapel and Ortegas and other veterans into the shit. So it was a great episode. I thought they really, they made for Starfleet and Star Trek in general, Usually has a pretty clean a vibe of like this is space and there's robots cleaning everything up. To be down in the war and everyone is sweating and dirty and covered in blood. Usually there's like a little smudge of dirt on someone's cheek when they've been stuck in a cave for three days before they're rescued. This was like they're just covered in filth and having a terrible time. And there's drugs and there's war and there's and this is the first time, not the first time, not the first time, Discovery uh, with as with so many things in the modern Star Trek area. Broke down the door, but this is like a great episode dealing with PTSD-style symptoms that Ortega, Chapel, and Banga are having.
0: Agreed. Tough episode. Tough ep. Tough ep. But in the the acting chops of Babs.
1: He really did take it to the next level in this one. He really did. You feel I felt like it was cooking from that first episode I was like wow mm. they're really okay it's not just yeah. like single father of a sick little girl anymore this is he's got some real bloody skeletons in the closet to have him then him and Pike disagree there at the end was a very strong a dramatic note because I feel like Pike and him have been friends for so long and then Pike being like surely you agree that all life is worth the second chance and ben is like I don't so where does their friendship go from there We've only just begun. Doo-doo. And I was gonna say one more thing, but I can't remember what it is. So welcome in everybody to Set Phasers. We go immediately to the Easter Egg desk with Stevie Man. Stevie, how are you today?
0: I am well. Thank you are you? Yeah, I'm well. Well, not as many Easter. Excuse me. Not- oh, I'm sorry. Am I boring? <laughs> Not as many Easter eggs as the last episode. However, we are, we still have a few that we can talk about. So the moon of Jagal, it was a few years ago and some people like to get into the timey-wiminess mm, of it. So, whenever. yeah, this was established earlier in the season two premiere, as we discussed in the Broken Circle. Why does this flashback say, a few years ago. Well, the Klingon War began in Discovery Season 1, as we mentioned, in 2256 and ended in 2257. Star Trek Strange New Worlds began roughly in 2259, which puts Chabal and Mbenga uh, in their service either two or three years in the past, hence a few. So lots of canon and timey wiminess. Rock Tajino, this Klingon coffee, Aki will remember, was first introduced in Deep Space Nine. Here, Spock unsuccessfully tries to use the matter of the synthesizers to make a good ruck Gino, and fails. Notably in the DS9 episode, Trials and Tribulations, we've Hey, mentioned. that's what I
1: referenced in the last episode. I'm sorry. It
0: was, yeah. yeah. Okay. And that, well, I feel like we've mentioned that one a few times generally. It's a great episode. It's very sweet. Yeah, on Space Station K-7, it's pretty clear that nobody in Starfleet or the Federation can make a good ruck Gino. Odo tried to order one, then, while time-travelling back to the TOS era and was turned down, and just like in Those Old Scientists, when Spock uses the mat the synthesizer and makes the same sound effect it did in the original series, came completely with a little ding. Yes, yes that was rather fun. fun. Clint Howard, in the flashback on Jagal, the commanding, That's Clint
1: Howard. That's his name. That's Thank Clint
0: you. Howard. The commanding medical officer, Buck Martinez, is played by Clint Howard. In real life, he's Ron Howard's brother. Didn't know that. Uh, And he started his career as a child actor. Can you tell me the first Star Trek series that he appeared in?
1: Yes, I can. He's been in like four or five. The first Star Trek series that he was in. God, is he old enough to have been in TOS? Yes. He was in TOS. I wouldn't really recognize him in TOS, but that's just a guess based on his age.
0: You are correct. But
1: is that it? He first
0: appeared in the TOS episode, The Carbomite Maneuver. As a child, he played Balock, the first regularly produced episode after Where No Man Has Gone Before. He later appeared in two episodes of Deep Space Nine. In 2018, yes. he appeared in Discovery season one finale as an Orion who is hanging mm-hmm. out on the Klingon homeworld, Kronos. This means that around the same time Clint Howard is on the moon at <laughs> Jagal, a green skinned Clint Howard is getting high with Tilly several light years away. <laughs>
1: That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, that's fine. He's
1: in many places at once and many times.
0: Indeed. Storing people's patterns in the transporter buffer, we know this. It's such a trick trope. In order to save patients, Mbenga reveals to Chapel he sometimes leaves people in the transporter buffer, connecting to The Stranger World Season 1, in which we learned Mbenga did the exact same thing with his daughter because she had a terminal illness also leaving us remembering the Next Generation episode Relics, in which Scotty mm-hmm. made an appearance. Mokbara. Ra and Mbenga spar in a bout of Klingon judo called Mokbara. This is a form of Klingon martial arts originating from TNG. Worf taught a, a class on this, but was rarely yeah. full impact. And you may or may not know that Mbenga Babs Sumakun. Baps. he is a BJJ instructor. Really? And that's why he's so good at it. Ha-ha. I was
1: like, man, they're, it looks like they're really doing their own stunts. That's cool. Okay.
0: Yep, yep. The Klingon knife, the duck-tah, the episode concludes with the revelation and Beng is the one who took out some of these Klingon warlords. And in the flashback and in the present, this deed was done with a type of Klingon knife, uh, as we've mentioned, because I can't say it twice. The weapons <laughs> was designated Dick by- Dictang. tang f- Dick tang was design- designed by Phil Norwood in The Search for Spock in 1984, and despite a few vari- mm. variations, has appeared in Trek canon since that point, starting with TNG. Yes. And also, interestingly, Mbenga's dislike and distrust of Klingons is similar to Captain Kirk's in The Undiscovered Country, in which Kirk hates Klingons because they killed his son with the exact same kind of knife. They and-
1: killed his son in The Search for Spock oh yeah well you said you mentioned the knife was made for the switchers. Party.
0: oh yes well he hated them in Undiscovered country because they yes no, no, which no. is movie no, 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 six
1: no, 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 no. but it goes back to, to movie two it's great I uh, love it
0: yes well anyway and did it you spot my any my son Kill... Sorry. yes terrible movies did mm-hmm. you spot any more
1: I did I uh, spot any more no I did not I might have uh, but I did not remember them oh. so I did not remember to write them down what, exit, what accent is this? It is not uh, consistent, so don't worry about it.
0: Cool, uh, that's uh, it.
1: <clears throat> I'll go back to the Aki accent.
0: That is it from us here in, in the, the, the Easter Egg Studio deck place where I do them from. Aki, it's back to you in the studio.
1: And we go immediately to...
0: Quotable moments.
1: I have a few. Let's see. Speaking of Clint Howard, I really loved his first line. Whatever you need, we probably don't have it, but ask anyway. I'll run it up the flagpole and see if it quacks. Very, what I, yeah, that's what I, the other thing I forgot that I wanted to mention. They gave the Jagal a very, every like American movie about Vietnam War vibe. Like someone dropping in and meeting people and getting thrown around and immediately you're in the shit. All those movies like Platoon, etc., had scenes like this. And I think they, they struck that tone very well. It was a little weird for Star Trek, but whatever. When the manga convinces Ortegas to go to dinner and she says, put on the Starfleet face and he says, it's a good face. Oh, the Trask making his addendum, or what did you say? Rebuttal to the Klingon statement. Today is a good day to die," he says to Mbanga when he's pleading with him to give him the Protocol Twelve juice. He says, "I'd rather die tomorrow than today." That was powerful. Do you have any quote you'd like to mention? No, I don't. Then I shall mention one more. It's what Mbanga says to the young inman. He says, "We have to fight so people we love have the chance to live in peace." That's Starfleet.
0: Yeah. It is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Let's go to next time. Next time on Set Phasers. Hey, next time on Set Phasers, we're going to talk about Episode 9. Episode 9, the penultimate episode. Episode is 9. It it's happening. Um, yes, we're talking about Episode 9 of Season 2 of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, entitled, according to my Googling, although I can't confirm it, Subspace Subspace Rhapsody. Is this the musical we've heard so much about? I believe
0: it is.
1: Oh so light hearted episode, extremely dark hearted episode. And another possibly lighthearted episode. Well, if you are looking for a place to sing along with the songs you hear in that show, look no further than our podcast, which you can find wherever you get your podcast from. And we have dozens upon dozens of back episodes, as I like to say, where we discuss all of the modern day Star Trek that has come out. So please find that, share it with a friend, and hey, rate and review it
0: indeed and don't forget you can subscribe to us did you just say that
1: no uh did i i don't know i can't remember what i said subscribe I
0: to us well subscribe to it's, us wherever you get starting to get hot in here <laughs> subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast and perhaps share with a friend if you've enjoyed i am stevie man's
1: and I am a thing that breaks in a way that can never be repaired, only managed. And this is Set Phasers, a highly illogical
0: Star Trek podcast. Computer! End program. Mm-hmm.